0: So, we apologize for starting a few minutes late um, just due to some technical issues. But um, what I want to con- contemplate on tonight, inshallah, with everybody here is uh, Surah number 107 of the Quran. Very short Surah, Surah Al Ma'un. And this is one of those surahs which um, pretty much all of us have memorized it. Hands up for those who have memorized it. Surah al-Ma'un. From a young age. yeah. And um, it has a lot of profound lessons that we can learn from for our times, inshallah. So, inshallah, we will benefit from this. And I have a surprise for you, inshallah. Towards the end, there's a surprise. I won't tell you what the surprise is. Otherwise, it's not a surprise. Yeah? So... أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أرأيت الذي يكذب بالدين فذلك الذي يدعو اليتيم ولا يَحُضُّ على طعام المسكين فويل للمصلين الذينهم عن صلاتهم ساون الذينهم يُرَاءُونَ ويمنعون المعون. So Allah سبحانه وتعالى you know, in these brief seven آيات is asking the Prophet and asking us, because we, when we are the readers, Allah is asking us also, right? He's asking us, have you seen the one who you kathibu Now, this word you kathibu is a very interesting word, right? So, kathib means lying in Arabic. So, if I am a liar, I would be known as kathib. But you see, you see the shadda on it that you when you do taktheeb, it's different than when you are a kathib. When you say lies, that's not taktheeb. Taktheeb is when you say that someone else is a liar. So in the sen- in the context of Quraysh or the enemies of Islam, their taktheeb was what? Everything the Prophet ﷺ came up with, they would deny. They would say, you are a liar. So them saying that the Prophet ﷺ is a liar made them mukadhibin because they actually... Proclaim that the message is false. The message is not the truth. Okay, so that's really what takdhib means. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over and over again in the Quran you know talks very negatively about mukaddibeen, those people who lie against this message, those people who say that the Quran is not the truth, the people who say that the Prophet's teachings are not the truth. Okay, those who deny also another meaning of takdhib or mukaddib are those who deny. Okay, so here Allah's you know, posing a question. Have you seen the one who lies against this deen or denies this deen or misrepresents this deen? That's another way of putting it. Takdib also means that you present it in a way that it's, it's not really its essence. So you're not giving the right uh, you know, f- face of this deen. Takzib bil-deen. Very, very dangerous thing. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then goes on to describe who are these people. And by the way, this is a Mecchi surah. Okay, it's not a Madani surah, so this is still early on in Mecca. So Allah describes these people as those who. He describes a person. We don't know this name, but the attitude of this person is that he pushes the orphan. Means to push very aggressively. Who is he pushing? The orphan, which is very strange because any any person, even if someone's very evil, if someone is nasty, someone who has no heart for anybody, at least for orphans, what do most people have? They have that soft spot for orphans, right? Because orphans are, you know, look, uh, looked upon in society as people who are weak, and so you have that soft spot for orphans. But in this case, this, this person who is doing taqdeeb biddin, he is so messed up, his heart is so black, his attitude is so bad, his character is so corrupted that he, is, he doesn't even have the soft spot for orphans. So he's the one who's actually pushing the orphans. So what are we supposed to do with orphans by the way? We're supposed to take care of them, right? We're supposed to make sure that they fit in with society. So this person, not only is he not helping the orphan, what is he doing? He's actually hurting the orphan, which is pretty messed up. And then it, Allah subhanahu goes on and says, وَلَا يَحُضُّ ta'am al-miskin," Another group of Weak people in society, so on one hand we have orphans and then Allah talks about masakeen Who are masakeen masakeen are people who are earning but not enough And according to some ulama, miskeen comes from second which means a house So someone who does not have shelter, someone who in some cases even people who are living on rent right, and struggling to pay the rent can be also included in masakeen because you're struggling Right, you don't have the miskin or the house. Okay, and and uh, means peace. So miskin is someone who doesn't have peace in his life, because he's constantly worried about finances, constantly worried about how to pay his bills, uh, debts, credit card bills, loans. You know, and you're just w- barely making ends meet. That is a miskin. And you know, we know from Surah al-Kahf that the masakin that were on the boats, if you recall the story, they were working. So we learn from this that a miskin can be someone who's earning money. But that money that he's earning, the income he's earning, is not sufficient for him to live a life of sukoon Therefore, he is a miskin. Okay. So what does this person do now? Number one, he was pushing the orphan. Number two, he's not even encouraging others to feed the miskin, to feed the poor. Okay? So not only is he not feeding the poor, he's not even encouraging it among others. He's not even talking about it. He's not even promoting this idea. Okay? And then Allah shifts the topic completely, which is very strange. Okay? Here Allah is just talking about who this mukadzib is. Who is this person who is lying against this deen? Who is this person who is, who is practicing a deen that's completely not the deen of Islam? Right? He's practicing some deen because as you know what is deen I forgot to talk about it what is the word deen what does it mean a way of life yeah so you could have a good way of life a bad way of life that's why in Surah Al-Kafirun um, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala says لَكُمْ دِينُكُمْ وَلِيَدِينَ the Prophet is telling them you have your deen o you have your way of life I have my way of life okay Firaun had his way of life Muslims have their way of life everyone has a way of life and so here in this context, the, the deen for us is of course Islam, right? In Nadina and Allah Islam. So the person who is practicing a deen other than Islam, he's pushing the orphan, and he is not even encouraging to feed the poor, and then Allah says, Fawailun Lil All of a sudden, the, the attention now is at the one who prays, or at the group of people who are praying. And Allah says, now wail. Is a very scary word in the Quran. Whenever you see w- wail, it's supposed to raise like an alarm that oh my god, this is serious. Wail, according to some ulama, is like the it's a valley in Jahannam which even Jahannam itself seeks refuge from a hundred times every single day. <laughs> That's how horrific this place is. It's like the worst place you can be in Jahannam. Okay. So Allah's saying that wail for who? Not for those who drink. Not for those who commit zina, not for those who are committing uh, or you know dealing with riba. Wa'ilu those who are praying. But the, as we know from the you know al uh, Tajweed or the science of tajweed, that you're not supposed to stop here, because it's you can't just take this ayah alone and say, ah, oh, there you go. We don't need to pray anymore. Alhamdulillah. Allah just said Allah just cursed the, those who pray. So Allah goes on and describes to us. Why this wail? Why this ultimate destruction on those who pray? So Allah says, Those who, when it comes to their prayer, they're oblivious of their prayer. Sahi or Sahoon means those who have no clue why they're praying. Their mind is somewhere else, literally. Which doesn't it remind you of uh, a lot of Muslims nowadays? Praying but our minds are somewhere else. And notice the extreme language here. Wail for those people. But why? Allah then goes on and says, الَّذِينَ هُمْ Those who are concerned about external. Ra, ra'a or Ra'a means to see. So they want to be seen. These people who are praying, number one, they have no clue what they're saying in their prayer. They have no clue why they're praying. Right? sah saahi, their mind is somewhere else. And number two, they are the ones who want to be seen. So it's like a show for them. It's like they want to be seen that there are people who pray. Okay, which is of, of course like um, a, a type of, it's called Riyah, right? When you do something that you're supposed to do for Allah, but you do it so that people say, <laughs> He's someone, mashallah, who prays five times a day in the masjid. Or, mashallah, he's always in the front row of the fajr prayer. Or, mashallah, she you know, is always praying on time. And so, when we, and this is shaitan's tricks, right? In a very subtle way, he comes and he messes up our, our salah by you know, adding this idea of what will people say about me? How will people react to what I do? Okay? Which is very tricky to balance, especially for the males here who are encouraged to pray in Jama'ah, right? To keep checking yourself. Am I praying? So that people say I'm praying or am I going to message it? so people say I'm, I'm praying? Or do, am I going to the it for Allah's sake? And shaitan will come and he will try to mess up your niyyah, your intention. What's interesting here is that the munafiqeen were people who used to pray outwardly, but inwardly they were, they had an evil agenda against Islam, right? And they, we know from the, the, the seerah that the munafiqeen of Medina, were in fact people who were at Qur'an, they were people who, who would pray in the first rows, okay? But nevertheless they were Munafiqeen and Munafiqeen are even worse than the Kuffar. But remember what I told you, is this Surah Mecki or Madani? It's Mecki, so it's not even talking about those Munafiqeen of Medina, right? So we can't diffuse the responsibility and say, ah, oh, this ayah is talking about the Munafiqeen of Medina, Alhamdulillah, ham, ham tike. we're fine. No. <laughs> Allah is talking about a group of people who are praying in Mecca but they have no clue what they're saying in prayer they have no clue why they're praying and they are concerned about show and then last but not least Allah says al maun," and they prevent even giving the smallest acts of kindness Ma'un basically is you know, uh, a type of um, you know, kitchen product which is used to serve food and stuff. It's a very cheap thing. It's very simple. It's very easy to give such things. So, you know, in our context, it would be like someone asking for tissue. Can I have a tissue, please? Just grab a tissue and you give it. It's not going to cost you much money. You're not going to think twice about giving a tissue paper, right? Or a pencil or a hundred filths. So Allah is saying here that these people, they're praying. But... That prayer is not even making them making their hearts soften enough to even give the smallest act of kindness, Al-Ma'un. And notice the name of the surah is Al-Ma'un. It's highlighting that these small acts of kindnesses are something that anybody should be giving. But these people who are praying for the show, Allah is highlighting here. And to, to wrap it up, what is the surah talking about? The surah is talking about the tragedy of praying without understanding why we're praying and without the prayer improving our character outside of prayer okay and so that's why Allah described that they're pushing around the orphan is that good character or bad character pushing the orphan not encouraging to feed the poor good character or bad character not even giving the smallest act of kindness good, act, good character or bad character bad right so Allah's highlighting it over and over again that these are people who are musalleen by the way Allah didn't say yusalloon, that they sometimes pray, sometimes they don't pray. Whenever there's a verb in the Qur'an, like Yusalli, means sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. But musalleen, is like a noun. So these are regular people who pray. They're regulars at the masjid. But nevertheless, Allah says wail to them, the ultimate destruction to them, because that salah is not making them better people. That salah is not making their character a, a better character. That salah is not purifying their heart. That salah is not instilling love and kindness in their heart for those who are weak in society. And so it's a pretty, pretty serious message for all of us, right? Where are we when it comes to our salawat? And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, let's, I want to like, divert the talk towards salah and quality because you know, we often you know, talk, talk about this idea that Muslims don't have khushu and salah and their quality of prayer is not fine, and we should be praying with khushu' and salah. But no one really explains how to get khushu' and salah. So, my attempt, inshallah, over the next couple of inshallah, minutes is to give some tips for all of us, including myself, some reminders on how we can improve our khushu' in salah, inshallah. So, it's going to be a practical uh, talk today. So, Allah first of all says, That true success is for those who have. Those believers who have khushu in their salah, the number one quality of success for the believers is what? Quality prayers. <laughs> and what does khushu mean? Again, I don't want to get into details, but that being present, realizing that salah is a meeting between us and Allah, ﷻ, and that salah is supposed to purify my heart so that after salah I'm a better person. In a very simple way, yeah? It's supposed to change. Your mood. It's supposed to make you relax. And you know, just I, I usually give this example, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Al Ankaboot that inna salata, what is salah supposed to do? Allah tells us in the Quran, what is the objective of salah? What is the outcome that we expect from salah? Allah says, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ وَالْبَغِيِ That salah is supposed to prevent us from all sorts of, فَحْشَاء means all sorts of shamelessness. All sorts of, you know, uh, shamelessness. I can't think of a better word, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, which is all around us, entertainment, everything around us is فَحْشَاء, right? Anything that calls you to zina and, and all those acts of immorality. And then munkar. So Salah is supposed to prevent Fahsha and it's supposed to prevent Munkar. What is Munkar? All acts that are unacceptable in a society. And so we just saw in the Surah, right? Pushing an orphan, is it accepted in society? So it's a Munkar. Not even encouraging people to feed the poor, is it, is it uh, acceptable in society? Not even giving the smallest act of kindness, is it an acceptable in society? No. So those are three acts of Munkar that those musalleen are doing so Allah is, saying, Allah is saying here in this ayah that salah is supposed to prevent us from fasha and it's supposed to prevent us from anything that's not acceptable in society so why do I have a phone with like a charger and a, like a, a battery that's dead right and it's not even charging by the way if you notice the charge is in the plug but it's not charging the phone now uh, the way I explain this to my students often is Salah is like this So, so Number one, you, got, you guys need to understand Salah is not the objective It's the means to a higher objective Okay Just like Driving the car is not the objective It's a means to get here today Okay So should we be celebrating that we, The fact that we prayed five times today, Alhamdulillah We prayed five times Alhamdulillah Asha is done I've done my duty for the day. Is that, is that the goal? No, it's not the goal, but sometimes we do that, right? We pray Isha and we say assalamu alaikum wa As alaikum wa Alhamdulillah Right? Alhamdulillah, it's over. We're done for the day. It's as if we achieved the objective, but wait a second. No, no, no. Salah is the means. And just like charging is the means. Now, what's up, what's the use of the phone? To make calls, right? Although that has changed now. We use the phone for making, you know, for messages and WhatsApp and FaceTime and all that. But ultimately, the phone is a device that helps you connect with each other, correct or no? And the charging and the battery is a means for you to keep using the phone. Now, when someone is praying, just for the sake of praying, he's not concerned about the objective. It's as if someone bought a phone. And all you do with that phone is you keep charging it five times a day. And you're happy. You look at the phone, wow. The charge is so, so amazing, the charge. man, right? And you tell your friends, look at this charge, so amazing. And you're just happy with charging, 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 charging. You never use the phone. You're missing the point. okay? And what's even worse is that you're charging the phone and the switch is off. So you're plugging it in your phone, right, the wire. But this, the main switch is off. Which means, are, is it really charging? It's not even charging. And we're, and then we call ourselves namazi. We call ourselves musallim. This is exactly what the surah is talking about. Those group of people who are praying but they have no idea what the objective of salah is. Their hearts are completely you know, corrupted with, with hatred, with selfishness, with greed. And ego and pride and arrogance which is not what Salah is for. Salah is supposed to cleanse our heart. inshallah. So is this example clear? The charging one? So what's the goal of Salah? We just said the objective is to make you a better person, right? Because so, if you stay away from Fahsha, which is tough nowadays, right? But Inshallah that's, that's what it's supposed to do to you. It's, it's like that fuel. You fuel yourself up with Iman so that you stay away from Fahsha, you lower your gaze, because it's all around us, right? But then Allah says also in Surah Taha, when Allah spoke to Musa, what's interesting is that he, you know, right after introducing who he is, he says, إِنَّنِي Allah subhanahu wa tells Musa the first thing, right after telling him that I am Allah, worship me, what does he tell him? أَقِمِ and what's here is interesting is whenever Allah talks about salah in the Quran He doesn't say sallu, He doesn't say pray He says aqimus salah, aqimus salah Establish salah, perfect your salah right so it's about quality prayer it's not just about praying what do parents do with children? Namaz pari and right did you pray or not? go pray, it's time to pray did you pray? we're con- constantly concerned about prayer when was the last time you told your kids, did you establish your salah? How was the quality of your prayer, Beta? Give me a scale out of 10, how much was the level of your khashua? That's what we should be asking our kids. Not whether they prayed or not. That's not the objective. And sometimes, you know, in, in majlises and, you know, over like chai and coffee, we... We brag about our, our children that, ha, mira beta panch, alhamdulillah, right? He reads five times a day, alhamdulillah, he's, mashallah, muttaqi. Right? We don't talk about the quality of salah. So, what's the objective of salah? Zikrullah. Now, this is something you guys need to remember, okay? Allah says, Aqim as salata He told Musa, establish salah for what? What's the purpose? Li So, to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why do we pray? To remember Allah. Because when we remember Allah, our character is supposed to soften up. We're supposed to stay away from shamelessness. We're supposed to stop doing things that are not acceptable in society, all types of munkar. Is it clear? Yeah? So why do we pray? I need your answer. Why do we pray? Dhikrullah. Why do we pray? Dhikrullah. Okay? Very good. Very important because we're gonna practice this, inshallah, later on. So uh, I want to give some tips on preparing salah for salah. We often like rush through the wudu, rush to go to the masjid, rush to put the hijab and everything on, rush to push put the prayer mat, and then Allah just get right into it. Big mistake. Okay? You messed up your khushu right from the beginning. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. So some tips on preparing well, meaningful wudu. Imagine that when you're, you're cleansing your body, that you're cleansing your body parts from the sins that the body parts make or the sins that the body part commits. So your hands commit sins all the time, right? You're texting things, riba on, on the phone. You're signing checks you shouldn't be signing. Maybe you're slapping your housemaid. Maybe you're slapping your children. Okay? And other sins of the hands. And then as you, you know, cleanse your, your tongue, your mouth from all the bad things that you said to people to hurt them, the backbiting the mockery the judgments cleansing your you know every your feet from going to the wrong places when we think nobody knows okay so make your wudu meaningful and then dress to impress sometimes we we like you know pray in our pajamas right and your jellabiyas we're meeting allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so at least some level of respect right dress up put some perfume on brush your teeth don't meet Allah with your bad breath. Please. Yani it's just courtesy, right? And when you do prepare, wallahi, it will, subconsciously, you will feel the presence of salah. Because you're preparing for it. Okay. And then airplane mode. Disconnect from the world. Disconnect from your phone. Disconnect from gadgets. Close your room if you have to. And of course, in the masjid, you know, um, we do have that level of Focus because you're in a place where everybody's there for one purpose. At home, it's difficult to avoid those distractions, especially if you have young children. Right, they keep coming in, climbing on your back while you're praying. Uh, And then focus. Focus is extremely important in Salah. And here, the eyes are very important. By the way, a lot of people like when they pray, right? They they actually look down. You're not, your face isn't supposed to look down. Okay? Your face is supposed to be straight. Your eyes should be looking down. Because and I'll, uh, you know, this is stuff I learned from neuro-linguistic programming. Okay? Um, your eyes basically are a mirror of your mind. And they, they use this science even in like uh, secret services and FBI and, and police that are working in customs. They're experts in this science. They read your mind from your, from your eyes. They can tell if you're, you're smuggling something just from your eyes. Okay. So when, when we as human beings are in emotional mode, like when we're feeling things, then naturally our eyes go down. You naturally, you know, if you're expressing your love for someone, you know, I really love you so much. You mean so much to me. See, my eyes are going down. Right? You never say, I love you so much. You're so amazing. You're so, you don't do that. What about uh, eyes when they go up? That's where images are. Eyes that are in the middle level are it's audio sensory, right? You're remembering sounds. But down is feeling. And so if you're looking down with your head, you're not getting to the feelings mode. You want to get into the feelings mode. So just a tip is keep your spine straight, head straight, eyes down at the point of sajda. It'll help a lot, inshallah. And breathing, of course. You know, this is something that they use in meditation. But we can take that and apply it also in salah. Because, wallahi, with, with breathing, the correct breathing, you, you, it helps a lot in your khushua. And so breathe, inhale. When you inhale, is your stomach supposed to inflate or deflate? Who knows? We need to teach now. Uh, we need to learn how to breathe. Unfortunately, we, no, nobody taught us how to breathe properly, actually. Many people don't breathe. Many people just breathe from the uh, top of here, of their lungs only. The proper way to breathe is put your hand in your stomach. When you're inhaling, your, your stomach is supposed to inflate. And when you exhale, it's supposed to deflate. Yeah? Just like a balloon. And it's like the air is supposed to go all the way down to your stomach. Okay? Um, and then Allahu Akbar, very important point here, Allahu Akbar. Allah is the greatest. Is that the right translation? No. Okay? We often hear that though, Allah is greater than is the proper translation, Allahu Akbar, it's a comparison So what is Allahu Akbar? What is Allah greater than? There's a blank there And so what is the first thing that we need to purify ourselves from is those thoughts that are coming in your mind Before before you even say Allahu Akbar, think with your thoughts, think about the thoughts that are coming and tell to each thought that now is not the time Now it's time for Allah, Allah is greater than that thought so if, if you if it's time to do your homework, Allahu Akbar from homework. If it's time to watch the cricket match, fine but now Allahu Akbar. If it's time to cook, Allahu Akbar, okay? So uh, so this statement when you say it internally, what does it do to those thoughts? Disappears away, right? And so you keep internalizing that until your mind is clear and then you say Allahu Akbar, and then you enter. Very important to enter with a clean uh, mind You know where there's no distractions and you know a way a way that Allah describes this is in surat al-sharh Allah says Farag means empty When you empty then stand up in prayer And then seek from your master whatever you want to seek so, Allah describes this idea of faragh, very important for us before we stand in prayer and say, Allahu Akbar, faragh karo. You know, we say that in Urdu also, faragh, empty your mind from those thoughts. How do you empty it? Allahu Akbar is the key. Yeah? Because thoughts are like, you know, when you drop something in, the, in, a, in a lake or a pond, those uh, waves, the many waves that are spreading out, that's all distraction. That's... that's eliminates or prevents you from seeing through the water there's no clarity then but when the water is still that's where you see clearly throughout the water right so similarly our mind there's so many distractions so many thoughts that are coming that are constantly there's all this noise in our minds right so what with breathing and with focusing and with Allahu Akbar what you're doing is you're silencing everything in the mind so, so you can focus does it make sense? Yeah? Okay. So, uh, what are the stages of Salah? There's five stages, yeah? Qiyam, and then what's next? Ruku, and then? A brief Qiyam, right? And then? Sajda, and then the Jalsa. Yeah. Now, the Prophet Sallallahu uh, Alaihi where, where did I get this, these stages from? There's a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu where he was sitting once in the Masjid, and a man was praying. And the man finished praying, and as he was leaving, the Prophet called him and told him, "By the way, you need to go back and pray. You haven't prayed." So the guy goes back, prays exactly the way he prayed. As he's walking out, the Prophet tells him again, "Go back. You haven't prayed." Third time, same thing repeats. Then, you know, that man is like Rasulullah, That's how I know how to pray. Please teach me. So the Prophet told him in this hadith, he told him that when you stand. Keep standing and establish the purpose of standing until you are, the word in Arabic is until you have peace, until you are satisfied with standing. And then he says, once you're satisfied, now you move on to the next stage, which is what? Ruku'. Then he said, stay in ruku' until you establish ruku' and you feel content and satisfied, then you stand up. Stay standing until you establish its purpose, and you're satisfied, and you get that sense of peace. Now go into sujood. Stay in sujood until you fulfill its purpose, and you feel, at, uh, feel content and satisfied, then come into jalsa, Stay in jelsa until you fulfill its purpose, and then you say salam. So every move has a purpose, by the way. I wish I knew this stuff when I was 10 years old. Okay. Uh, what they taught us uh, when we were 10 years old is how to pray, where to put your hands, what to say, and how many rakahs and when to pray. That's it. Right? All this internal stuff, unfortunately, wasn't taught to us. So these are the five stages. What I'm going to go through, inshallah, with whatever time we have left, uh, is what, are, what is the purpose of each stage? And how to know whether we've fulfilled it so that we can go on to the next stage. Alright? So, the first stage, which is Qiyam. And again, everything I'm going to mention is, is based on evidence from the Qur'an. I'm not going to make stuff up. So Allah subhanahu surah zumar tells us that أَمَّنْ هُوَ Allah is describing someone who is praying at night. Okay? What is he doing? Sajidan, He's prostrating. وَقَائِمًا but Allah describes what he's doing while he's Qa'im. يَحْذَرُ الْآخِرَةَ رَحْمَةَ ربه. Two things. He is being careful of Akhira. That's one thing. And the other is ويرجو رَحْمَةَ ربه. And he is seeking, He's hopeful of Allah's mercy. Okay? So from this, again this is Ijtihad guys. يعني, inshallah this will help you. I'm not saying this is the way to pray and that's it. No, I'm just saying these are some tips that are helping me a lot. They're helping my students a lot. And inshallah, you know, if it's in the Quran, there must be some wisdom in it, yeah? So Allah told us what this person is doing as he's standing. Qaiman, what is he doing? So, as a recap, what is the objective of Qiyam? Being careful of Akhirah and hoping for Allah's mercy. Okay, got to remember this, yeah? So you stay in that position, and by the way, what, is Fatiha? what does Fatiha do? Right from the beginning, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Seeking the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Malik Yawmideen, Reminding us of the Day of Judgment, right? So Fatiha in itself also actually reminds us of uh, Akhirah and of Allah's mercy, right? We're being grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Fatiha fulfills that. And any other short surah that you recite after that is also going to fulfill one of those things, right? Especially since just Amma, those short surahs are pretty much mostly talking about Akhirah anyway, yeah? So those are the two wings, mercy and being you know, aware and cautious of the day of judgment, the day of accountability. So on one hand, you are hopeful of Allah's mercy and His love and His care. And on the other hand, you, are, you have the sense of accountability that the day of judgment is coming. I am accountable. I am responsible. Now imagine you're standing and you have both these feelings. How will you feel? You'll know how you feel, inshallah. Inshallah, towards the end, we will do something practical, inshallah, okay? But keep in mind, when we do the practical thing in Isha, these are the two things you gotta feel. Not just say, feel it. Experience Allah's mercy, love, and care. Experience the fear of the Day of Judgment. Experience standing in front of Allah. And what's ironic is, what is uh, you know, the Day of Judgment in Arabic? يوم ال... The day of standing. Yeah? So we're actually standing to remind ourselves that we will be standing on the day of judgment also, inshallah. Okay? Uh, Second stage. Now, when do we move to the second stage? After we have experienced those two feelings. Okay? Allah's rahmah and then the uh, fear of the day of judgment. Then Allah says in Surah Al Ma'idah, what we need to do in Ruku'ah. It's so amazing, right? Allah says, الذين يقيمون الصلاة. But what are they doing when they do ركوع? ويؤتون الزكاة وهم راكعون. And here, zakat is not money. Right? You're not paying zakat while you do ركوع. Does anyone here do that? Do you take your wallet out and pay zakat as you do ركوع? So what is Allah talking about here? What does يؤتون zakat mean? It means you purify yourself from the sins. وَيُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةَ So Allah, the precise language here is and they purify themselves as they are in the state of ruku'a, literally. And to confirm this, Surah sa Allah Subhanahu tells us, Dawood, when he messed up in the judgment, what does he do? فَاسْتَغْفَرَ رَبَّهُ He did his stighfar, And what did he do? What action did he do? And he fell into, not sajda, fell into ruku'a. And what is anab. What does anab mean? He turned back to Allah. I.e. he repented. He sought forgiveness. Okay, so here we're learning is Rukur is the place where you purify your heart from all the sins that you've committed. All the wrong things you've done in your life towards others. Wrong things you've said to others. Wrong things you've seen with your eyes. Wrong things you've heard. Wrong places you've been to. All the haram money you've, you've you know, earned. And all the moments where you felt that you were better than others, right? This is all purification. And why did I choose that picture of the bird being free? Because literally that's what Toba is. You know when you're like addicted to sins, it's like you're enslaved to them, right? But what happens with tawbah? It's a sense of relief and, and freedom. That is true freedom actually. When you free yourself from Addiction, like people who are addicted to pornography, very common nowadays, right? They're enslaved to this thing. People who are addicted to drugs or smoking or alcohol. This is enslavement, right? What is true freedom? When you break free. When you do tawbah and istighfar and you break free. So, what's the objective of ruku'? Just to refresh? Purification. What's the objective of ruku'? Yes, okay. What was the objective of qiyam? I forgot. Accountability of the Day of Judgment and mercy of Allah subhanahu very good, okay. And uh, by the way, what's interesting is that in Qiyam, you just recall Allah's mercy, right? So what's the logical thing to do when you know that Allah is loving, caring, merciful? Fall down and seek forgiveness, yeah? You see the connection? It's connected. Since Allah is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, then I, I'm going to fall into Ruku' and make as much Tawbah as I can. And by the way, stay in Ruku' until when? Until you're satisfied that all your sins are forgiven, isn't that beautiful? Literally, you have to get up with pure, with a pure heart. And then logically, what do we say next when you stand up? Ah, you're thanking Allah for what? Are you thanking Allah now for purifying your sins? Yeah, for making a literary, you literally—you should be feeling like a newborn baby, literally. Rabbana Say it like with meaning, yeah. Rabbana for deleting all my sins. I am a newborn baby again. Okay, and now that your heart is clean, there's something else that needs to be cleansed. And by the way, um, the Quran is a book that talks to two things, two faculties of our bodies: the heart and the mind. Okay, the intellect. As well as the heart where and most of the sins are in the heart by the way the shahawat they call them as for doubts and ego and arrogance this is where this is where it stands in the in the head or the mind okay so in Ruku what we're doing is we're purifying the heart from all the sins the shahawat okay and now that you said Rabbana like alhamd now you're ready to go down into sujood doesn't it make sense to purify yourself before you get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Imagine like the king of Bahrain called you today, I wanna see you in a meeting today at 10 o'clock. And you just finished your gym. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna go in your tracksuit and sweat to meet the king? Or are you gonna go home and shower and put your best perfume on and the best clothes, right? So similarly, we purified ourselves because now we are ready to meet Allah subhanahu It's disrespectful to meet Allah with those sins, right? So Allah put the system in place for you to cleanse yourself and now you're ready to meet Allah subhanahu wa in the last stage, which is the sujood. And like I told you, salah balances this idea of purifying the heart with purifying the mind. And in Surah As-Sajda, Allah tells us that what is the objective of sujood? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِنَّمَا يُؤْمِنُوا بِآيَاتِنَا الَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِّرُوا بِهَا خَرُّوا سُجَّدًا وَسَبَّحُوا بِحَمْدِ رَبِّهِمْ وَهُمْ لَا يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ By the way, I forgot to mention. What do we say in Ruku'? سُبْحَانَ رَبِّيَ الْعَظِيمِ Right? Why? What's the link bet- between purifying our sins and Allah's beautiful name Al-Azim? Which means, the you know, the Great One. One way of looking at this is Allah's mercy is greater than our sins. Right? Because you know what does shaitan do sometimes? He comes to you and says, No, 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 that sin, it's not going to be forgiven that easily. It's, it's too big. Right? And he gets you stuck into the guilt of the past and you can't get over it. Right? Whereas Allah's invitation in the Quran is seek forgiveness, learn from your mistake. Say sorry to whoever you hurt, and move on with life. Right? Move on with life. Allah doesn't want you to be stuck in the past. Who wants you to be stuck in the past? Shaitan, right? So, if there were kids here, I would say shushu, but no kids here. Usually I use shushu as a nickname for Shaitan with children, yeah? Um, so, Subhan rabbil azim, you're repeating it, that ya Allah, all my sins, you are greater than them. And subhan means... So perfect you are, Ya Allah. How perfect are you, Ya Allah? You're declaring Allah's perfection. And the fact that you are flawed. Right? There's two sides to the coin. The more perfect Allah is, the more we acknowledge that we are flawed. Every single one of us is a sinner here, right? Any angels, any prophets sitting in the house here? No. All of us will sin. But Allah is reminding us that, know your place. Know that the fact that, yes, you'll be sinning, but... My mercy and forgiveness is greater than your sins So don't ever lose hope In the mercy of Allah subhanahu Okay So in sujood Allah is telling us in this ayah what, they, what do they do in sujood When they remember Allah's ayat They fall Literally kharru, They fall into sajda on their faces Literally Right They say Right And then what's the attitude What's going on in their heart In their mind وَهُمْ لا يستكبرون. They don't have any arrogance at that point. Because, you know, shaitan, that was his problem, right? He was told to do sajda to Adam out of honor. And what did he not do? He didn't do sajda. So by us doing sajda, we're actually declaring to Allah that, Ya Allah, we're not like Iblis. We have no ego issues. And, you know, just to summarize what ego is, right? Because, you know, Once the Prophet explained this, he said that ego or arrogance, or kibr, it's known in Arabic, is thinking that you're better than others, right? Looking down upon others. And number two, rejecting the truth. When someone comes to you with advice, you reject it, you feel upset. When someone comes to give you advice or criticizes you, you get angry. That's a sign of ego, right? Another sign of ego is the need to be right. I'm right. You're wrong. And there's this argument that happens and fights and sometimes wars happen between countries based on ego, right? We are right. You're wrong. We'll bomb you. Okay. And same thing applies to winning and losing. I want to win. I hate losing. That's another sign of ego. The need to be noticed especially in like social media it's very common the need to be noticed the need to be followed the need to be liked and you know the selfie generation look at me look at how cool i am look at my the food i'm eating it's better than your food look at the places i travel to while you sit in this hot weather of bahrain right Look at my house. Look at my car. So we're, we're unfortunately like, you know, with the use of like accessibility to cameras and social media and a platform really of audiences, it's become so easy to fall into this kibr, which is the Prophet said, لَا يَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةِ مَنْ كَانَ فِي قَلْبِهِ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ مِنْ كبر. That he will not enter Jannah who has even an atom's weight of arrogance in his heart. SubhanAllah, you know, it's something to think about. An atom's weight. How small is an atom? We'll not enter Jannah. Because ego is from Shaitan. So, you know, in sujood, we're actually admitting our humility to Allah ta'ala. Ya Allah, we are your slaves. And you know, in society, we sometimes, like with ego, we brag about our titles. I'm the managing director. I'm the chairman. I'm the president of this company. I'm minister so-and-so. I'm colonel so and so and so, or brigadier so and so and so, right? Or major general, or prince, or sheikh. And so, what title did Allah give the prophets? Slave of Allah, right? Abdullah. The highest you know, level you can reach in humanity is a prophet, right? Allah gave them the title of a slave. And even Surah Al Isra, which talks about the, you know, Isra al Miraj when Allah, the Prophet went to meet Allah ta'ala, it's a pretty noble thing to, to, you know, be a part of. Allah calls him Abd even in that. Alhamdulillah <laughs> al-Ladhi asrabi bi'abdihi. So says Allah telling him, Yes, we're we're taking you up to the heavens, but don't forget you're your abd. And Allah's law is that the more humble you are, the more Allah will raise you. من تواضع Whoever is humble to, for Allah's sake, Allah will elevate your status in dunya and akhirah. People will respect you more, the more humble you are. And we see this over, like so many examples of like billionaires today who are living very humble and simple lives, right? So, it's a big ego check for us. Sujood is a big ego check for us. Who am I? Am I my possessions? Am I my knowledge? Am I my degrees? Am I my family name? Am I the class of society I belong to? Am I the neighborhood I live in? You're none of this, right? Who are we? We are souls at the end of the day. We are ruh, basically. And when will this reality strike hard for the, the person who is you know, heedless of this reality? When will it strike? At the moment of death. Allah Subh'ata says, فَكَشَفْنَا عَنْكَ غطاءك فبصرك اليوم حديد. At the moment of death, Allah says, at oh, that moment we will unveil the curtains. And you will see the reality of who you were. And now, today your eyesight will be super clear. It will be crystal clear and sharp. You will realize that all of your possessions were not who you are. All of your knowledge and your degrees and your college and... Everything was of no, no benefit. All of your positions and status in the bank, nothing matters. It's only you in the grave. And subhanAllah, sujood is actually us practicing going in the grave, isn't it? You're, you're, it's like a rehearsal. One day I'm going to go down in the grave. So you stay in sujood until when? Until you realize that you are Abdullah. Nothing else. And of course, the Prophet told us that the, the sujood is the closest you are to Allah, Subh'ana, so it's the time to make dua. Okay? After you. you cl- so notice, ruku'a is purifying the heart, sujood is purifying the mind. Because where is ego? It's in the mind, right? I am better than him. That's the mind. It's a mindset that we need to change. Okay? And um, this applies to even deen, by the way. Because you know, Iblis Iblis didn't say, I am better than him, I have a better car than him, or I have a bigger house than Adam. What was Iblis' ego about, if you think about it? Any guesses? His, actually his, even more than knowledge, his level of worship, yes, his taqwa, how close he was to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was hanging around with the malaika, right? Up above the seven heavens he was a vip in terms of like his taqwa and iman and that was his ego he felt he was better than adam in terms of his taqwa which is you know so ego is not just about materialistic things it can be in deen when you think you're better than others in terms of your level of knowledge and your deen i have more taqwa than her i wear hijab she doesn't wear hijab i'm better than her i have a long beard he shaves off his beard i'm better than him this is also ego Judging others, thinking you're better than others. In fact, this is the the biggest form of ego. The ego of religion. And you know, I'll say something controversial. Sometimes Muslims have an ego issue. When we think we are better than everybody else, right? We are going to Jannah, everybody else is going to burn in hell. Is that attitude there? This you know what this does? It's the kuffar are all going to burn in hell. And then if we teach this to our children, they see their non-muslim teacher in school and what's going on in the back of our mind? This kafira is going to go to hell. She's going to burn in hell. This is like poison, right? When we like study the Quran and learn the Quran from a shallow perspective, this is what happens, right? So, we need to be humble about it. Allah knows. Allah is the king of the day of judgment. Allah is the owner of the Day of Judgment. We say this 17 times in Surah Al-Fatiha. Maliki We are not the judge. We are not there to judge anybody. Let's save ourselves and our families. Bari baribate, right? Ku anfusakum wa ahlikum nara. That's your part. Save yourself and your family. Job done. So, these are the stages of sajda. And then what is the stage of julus? What I noticed with in in, in Jalous, you know, the lillahi was salawatu wa tayyibat. One word we keep repeating As salamu alayka ayyuhan wa rahmatullahi wa barakat. As salamu alayna wa ala ibadullah as salihin. And then towards the end, As alaykum wa rahmatullah. So salam, 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 salam. Repeated over again. And you know, the Prophet, whenever it was time for salah, he would tell Bilal, the Mu'addin. Aqim salah, go and call the prayer biha. Comfort us with it. It's as if like salah is supposed to, by the end of it, it's supposed to be like, wow, that was amazing. That was so relaxing. Raha means comfort and relaxation and peace. And what's supposed to, now, what's supposed to come out of you after salah? Peace and love for everybody around you, right? So if you're in the masjid and there's like 300 people praying and you say Assalamu Alaikum Rahmatullah, literally you, you should have genuine love and mercy and forgiveness for everybody there. You should wish it, like you should feel this love. Don't just say it. And same thing Assalamu Alaikum Rahmatullah. You actually, like Assalamu Alaikum is actually a dua. I wish peace for you. Right? You truly, genuinely wish peace for everybody. And that's the ultimate thing you can wish for anybody, right? Peace is beyond happiness. And so when you do that, when you pray properly, inshallah, towards the end. And by the way, how many of you have been to Masjid Nabawi? Like Medina. And you've done your salams to the Prophet? So how about this now? In tashahad, you say, Assalamu alaikum ayyuhannabee. You're actually saying salam to the Prophet ﷺ in your in your jalous. So next time you're sitting and you say this, try to remember that moment. The last time you went to the Prophet ﷺ and you said salam to him. And he said salam back to you. Right? Try to like recall that moment. Isn't it gonna be amazing? Right? And then as alayna, you're you're asking Allah to give salam to you. And then you're not selfish. وَعَلَىٰ عِبَادِ اللَّهِ الصَّالِحِينَ And, Ya Allah, peace to all of your slaves, wherever they are. All of those people who are doing righteous deeds, all of them, Ya Allah. So literally, you're becoming like a, a source of peace for humanity. Which is what Islam is. Right? When you have that internal peace and you spread it. But if you have hatred and jealousy and anger and depression internally, what's going to come out? Conflicts, fights, drama, you know, family problems, health problems, relationship problems, financial problems. And that is the jaheem of dunya. But Allah's path is the path of naeem. Remember, we talked about this last week. Ihdina salatul mustaqeem, الذين أنعمت عليهم when we are on this path, we will live, inshallah, in naim. So that is the jalsa. And so, just to, you know, close it off, salah is supposed to make us better characters, right? And that's why I linked it. I linked it to salam, wishing peace for others. So let's say you had a fight with your wife, and it was time for maghrib. Now you just said "Assalamu alaykum, rahmatullah." "Assalamu wa ala as salihin." You just wished salam for you and your wife. Now are you going to go back home angry and upset still, or are you going to go home and say, "You know, I'm sorry"? Because if you prayed properly, sorry is going to come easily. But if you still have some ego, sorry is going to be very, very difficult to say, right? Why should I say sorry? She did something wrong. How dare she talk to me like that? Right? Or how dare he do this to me? So that's ego again. That means you didn't do your saysda properly. So if we actually perfect all those motions, by the end, we should be, you know, forgiving everybody around us, inshallah, including especially our family members and all those grudges need to be over. Imagine if everybody prayed like this. How would society be? How do our lives be? Yeah? How much peace and love would spread in, in our communities and our societies? So, again, the warning is pretty serious. Wailun lil musalleen, guys. Serious, serious punishment. And I believe this wail is not just in Akhirah, by the way. When Allah is not explicit about pain and nar in the Quran, then you can apply to dunya and Akhirah. These people don't think they're living a life of na'im. These people who push the orphans the people who don't encourage feeding the poor people who are not even giving the smallest act of kindness don't think they're living in naim they're living in jaheem those who miss the point of salah those who are oblivious of salah they're just about show it's about just about appearances and external things and what will people think of me which is ego and you know, may Allah make us of people who establish Salah and have their khushu in Salah. So I told you there's a surprise. The surprise is that we're going to, inshallah, so Salat al asha is four rak'ahs And uh, so uh, whoever is going to be praying with us, inshallah, I will lead the prayer, if you don't mind. And the first rak'ah we'll try to apply this. Because I don't want to keep you long, right? But I want to turn this session into a practical session, like an experiment kind of thing. For you to recall all of the steps, and try to internalize it and taste it literally taste it so just to recall before we start what are we supposed to think? Allahu Akbar, right? and then what's the objective of Qiyam? accountability of Day of Judgment and? Rahmah, right? you internalize that then Ruku' purification of what? the heart from all the sins stay there thank Allah subhanahu for being newborn baby fall into sujood purification of the? mind ego, 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 ego become Abdullah Ask Allah whatever you want. Thank Allah whatever you want. Don't, don't be selfish. Ask for others. And don't just think about dunya, dunya, dunya. I want a car, a house, and this is a promotion. No. Think about akhirah also. Balance it out. And then, salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, salamu alaykum Your niya should be peace with everybody on earth that you have a grudge with. And if you have to make a phone call after that, do it. Right? You're, everyone here today is going to sleep, and everybody watching us is going to sleep tonight with a clean... Heart, full filled with love and mercy and forgiveness for everybody. Deal. Zakum ala khair. So shal. Anyone wants to make wudu, we do, and then we'll we'll start. Inshallah. Subhanaka Allah bihamdik. Neshhadun la ilaha illa Ant. Nastaqfiruka matubu Aleik. Assalamu alaikum. Rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.